athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. You know, one of the things that we didn't do last week as we had our first show of the new year, we didn't talk a lot of basketball, We're going to talk some basketball for sure today here on the program. Kind of get you caught up in terms of where conference teams and conferences are. As a matter of fact, we're going to be joined also by North Carolina Central head men's basketball coach Lavelle Moten. And Coach Moten has come upon a milestone and... By the way, the Eagles are playing some pretty good basketball. I mean, you think about wins. You think about where the Eagles are right now. The Eagles are 10-7 and on the season, 2-0 and in MEAC play. More recently, this week, uh, on Monday, a win over Norfolk State. You go back to a win over Howard, the defending tournament champions. And so North Carolina Central is off. Uh, to the good start. And, you know, we're going to get kind of caught up today here on the program in terms of some basketball. Look, um, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, isn't it appropriate that Bill Belichick, well, appropriate may not be the right word, but Bill Belichick out as the as the head coach of the Patriots and Nick Saban retiring from Alabama And you talk about legends, you talk about possibly the greatest two of of all time in their respective sports. They worked together when Belichick was the head coach uh, in uh, in Cleveland with the Browns. So, wow, that was so – I mean, you talk about nothing much going on, then all of a sudden – and by the way, even, what, a day before that, Pete Carroll now out as the head coach of the Seahawks. I think he – uh, is supposed to be in some kind of advisory role or something still with the organization uh, for the Seahawks, maybe still, you know, with an opportunity to still coach. But wow, I look at, and let me, let's start with Belichick, right? And you look at all of the success, um, but I think you have to look at his success in totality, right? There have been a lot of missteps, okay, along the way, the gaff with, uh, the Jets, he was with the Jets for like one day, resigned, and then became the head coach of the Patriots. The rest is history. He was right in that regard. Had some success, certainly with the Browns um, as well. Uh, I, I know people will say, especially towards the end, no Brady, no Super Bowls. Not not even not any Super Bowls, but not, what one winning season and one playoff appearance, uh, thinking that Mac Jones would be the answer. And I was looking at Mac Jones in his rookie year, I'm like, this. I mean, he's okay. Like, he's not the guy. And the thing about it, the last several years, the Patriots' defenses 
have been really, really good. That's the thing about it. Like, there's no offense to speak of, but the defenses have been the thing that have gotten uh, the, that have been solid for the Patriots. So now we'll see what what happens next. Does Bill Belichick, in fact, coach again with all of the openings uh, in the National Football League? And then you look at Nick Saban. And, I mean, you talk about national championship with LSU, national championship with Alabama. Not many coaches can say they've had multiple national championships with uh, with various schools. And, uh, you know, he got – look, the NIL and all of that, NIL and um, – and transfer portal, but I would say more so NIL in, st- in terms of what I've read, is finally Nick Saban said he had had enough of the of where we stand in college football right now, and it certainly uh, is definitely an, an, an unfortunate deal for college football, but certainly Nick Saban, one of the greats. And, you know, really speaking about college football, the question becomes what does – what does Jim Harbaugh do now? Does he, in fact, move on to the National Football League? I mean, I believe that's what he's going to do. I believe he's going to move on to the National Football League because, as I mentioned last week, what what more can be done? Even if, I mean, if he had lost, let's say Michigan had lost the national championship, certainly he could come back for another run it becomes a lot more it becomes a lot harder i mean at least last year when Mi- michigan lost in the in essence the fir- the final four or lost in the first round of the college football playoffs so there's something to come back for there's something to advance at, at the minimum advance to the championship game and then hope to win it when you come back uh, what would 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 be this year uh, when you talk about last year. Uh, but look, I mean, this year it was either win it or not. And now I think he has a real opportunity uh, to pl- to be uh, in the National Football League. Look, we talked about last week, uh, last week, the, the success. And I talked about the success in the National Football League with the 49ers. He was extremely, extremely successful the worst season being the last season, which was an eight and eight season. I believe it was the last season that was an eight and eight season, but he had one eight and eight season. Extremely successful, but that didn't even count. You know the time at Stanford, the time at you know San Diego State. I mean, he's had a lot of success as a head football coach, and I think you know he 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 would get a a, 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 a he's going to get paid. Somebody's going to take him. He's going to get paid. No doubt about it. He's got all of the experiences. He's a winner. He was even a winner as a player, right? So, you know, you look at all of those dynamics, and um, I think Jim Harbaugh now moves on to the National Football League. It depends upon what team is going to get him. We've got a couple of openings. Um, I was, I, I guess I wasn't overly surprised to see that the Titans fired Mike Rabel. Not overly surprised. I thought, you know, the last couple of years, we're losing seasons, no doubt, but I thought Vrabel did a good job overall, at least in some years while he was there at Tennessee. Not overly surprised because you've got, you know, you may look at really a, a, a young quarterback and Vrabel's more of, I mean, he's more of a defensive coach 
right? But I mean, he's he's a, he's an overall coach, and I thought he did a really good job. Um, but you may look at, you know, Will Levis as maybe perhaps being the future. So maybe you want to go in a different direction and bring more of an offensive guy uh, into the fold. So I was surprised to see uh, the Titans uh, move on. A little bit surprised, but not overly surprised, right? Um, to 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 move on from. Mike Vrabel, I mean, could that be a landing spot, meaning Tennessee for Jim Harbaugh? We knew that the Washington Commanders were going to move on from Ron Rivera. Could that be a landing spot uh, for the Commanders? It, it just, it, I mean, there there was no surprise, right, that, uh, that Rivera was going to be let go. I think if you look at uh, this season was just a disaster, only four wins. I think a lot of, of expectations, more expectations were, were were looked upon for the commanders because if you look at that defense, if you look at the defense from last year, it was a top five defense. Um, and some of the onus uh, was put on Jack Del Rio. He got fired middle of the season. Uh, Rivera took over as the play caller there. But, you know, there's a new – you know, a new ownership regime there in Washington. Josh Harris, the principal owner. You've got other owners, including Magic Johnson, that's, you know, in the fray. And, you know, Ben Johnson's a hot name. So, look, there's there's a lot going on right there uh, with respect to, uh, to Washington and what could really happen there. The commanders have a lot of money to spend, and, and it, it seems to be a hot destination now. I you know, I think that's interesting that, I mean, I think it, it shows a lot of 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 what Daniel Schneider was and in, uh, in, in, in the toxicity uh, there because now, I mean, look, the, the, the commanders had a lot of money coming in last year, uh, quite a quite a bit in terms of money to spend. Uh, so now you're talking about the number two pick. The commanders have a lot of questions to answer when you look across the landscape of college football. I mean, is it? You know, is it is it uh, is it Caleb Williams? You know, is he is he uh, the quarterback moving forward for the commanders? You know, kind of hard to say. I mean, he may be the number one pick. I mean, the the Bears have the number one pick. Do the Bears decide to move on from Justin Fields? Maybe take, you know, Caleb Williams. I mean, is that is that a scenario? You know, Drake may, you know, Penix. I mean. These guys, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, they look good in college. I couldn't tell you how their games, meaning a May or a Williams, you know, Williams is, is, is supposed to be a can't-miss prospect, but let's say, let's say the Bears keep Justin Fields. It would be up to Washington. Do you, if you're Washington, do you, do you pick Caleb Williams? He's going to be coming back home. As a Washington D.C. native, I mean, how does you know? It, it, will he be more locked in and not worried about? And I think I think Caleb Williams will be a guy. I don't think he'll you know he he's. It seems as though he's so far removed from his hometown in, in terms of the years that he spent you know at Oklahoma at USC, you know all of the accolades that he had. But you just never know. So those are some of the questions that I think that would have to be answered. Um, and so we'll see what happens uh, with the Washington Commanders, with the Titans. You still have some other, you know, the Carolina Panthers talked a lot about the Panthers and uh, just a disaster there. And can, can 
uh, can the Panthers get it right this time around? So a lot to get to on today's program. And look, as I mentioned, we're going to talk, going to kind of catch you up on basketball as we, uh, with respect to uh, basketball and HBCUs, the MEAC, the SWAC, CIAA, the SIAC, and things are just kind of getting started uh, more specifically for the MEAC and the SWAC with respect to conference play, but you still have, you know, the SIAC and the CIAA have, have gotten more into the swing of conference play. You look at the Gulf uh, Coast Athletic Conference as well, teams like, uh, you know, big shots out to Suno and Dillard, Xavier, our, our listeners there in uh, New Orleans, you look at Fisk, all of those teams in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. We're going to try to get to all of it today here on the program. And still to come here on the program, North Carolina Central head men's basketball coach Lavelle Moton. Don't move. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Omari Hardwick, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. Doesn't matter what your sport, he talks your language. It's Dal Ware. From the press box to press row, it's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. We're going to keep things moving here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at James Madison. I tell you what, the Dukes are very much on a roll. At one time was ranked in the top 25, 15-1 on the season, as a matter of fact, having a really good season. Mark Byington joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Coach Byington? Welcome to the program. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you, you caught me one of the hardest things possible. We always play our league Thursday, Saturday, so I'm always a little bit weary on Fridays, and, um, you know, no matter win or lose. So, uh, so, so so hopefully I can do a good job for you. You always will. I know you had your game last night. So let's talk. Let's start there. It was a good, a good impressive victory for you last night. Speak to your team's win. Yeah, I mean, South Alabama is a challenge, Um you know, they, if you haven't seen them play, they do something unique where they kind of post up their guards in, in different ways. And, and you know, their, their bigs all shoot threes. Um, so it's a challenge. It's unique. It's something you won't see all year. And our guys did a good job with the game plan. Um, you, know, it's, uh, you know, it was a team that actually knocked us out of the tournament last year. So my, my guys were excited to play. And, and, you know, like I said, like you always have those games on a Thursday and, you know, win or lose, you got to move on quick. And so, even last night, even in the post game talk to the guys, I was like, "All right, time to move on," because you know, got a big challenge on Saturday. We got App State here um, here tomorrow. No doubt about it. I think the at least at least 
So what does it mean? Like you get that victory last night. That was the first of four a uh, four game homestand. What does that mean? I mean, that's got to feel good to be able to know that, hey, I've got a game 48 hours. I've got a, a, the next game. But throughout the course of the week, we've got a four-game homestand. How, how, what does that mean? How does that feel? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be home. Um, we, we just finished, um, you know, one of the underrated road trips last week. And, and, you know, we had to go down to Louisiana in our league. And we went down there, and, and they won 19 straight home games. And we were fortunate to win that. It was a battle. Could have went either way, but we got that one. And then on Saturday last week, we had to go to Southern Miss, who won 19 of their previous 20 home games. So um, I don't know if anybody had a, that tough of a road swing with that kind of um, teams with that much home success. And we went 1-1 one one last week. The road is brutal. I think you're seeing that in college basketball right now. Everywhere the road is tough. And um, we're happy to be at home, but that doesn't guarantee wins either. You know, I, um, we, we told our guys every single night's going to be a battle, whether you're home or road, and, and we've already seen that just in our four league games. One of the things I really – got to be honest with you, Coach Byington. One of the things I really don't like, particularly as it relates to mid-majors, and to your point, like you were undefeated, you fall uh, in a conference game. Like conferences – it doesn't matter the conference you're in. Conference games are hard. You, To your point, you mis- mentioned, you know, uh, uh, that road trip. You fall to Southern Miss, and, and all of a sudden you guys are out of the top 25, and that's sort of how it is for mid-majors, unfortunately – but your thoughts, like the Duke should be in the top 25 right now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the top 25, I think, is great for the fans. We love it. We love the attention. Um, you know, it, it, but but more than that, you know, we got to kind of look at the net ranking. Because that's what the NCAA looks at in the tournament, in these postseason tournaments. And, and you know, the thing that I thought kind of made it a flawed system and, and, and made it tough was, I think we went into the game at 30 net ranking against Southern Miss and we lost the game and we came out at 56. And so we lost 26 points to, like I said, a team that's won 19 out of 20 home games. And people don't realize how hard that place was to try to get a win. And um, so it is a flawed system. Um, You know, the the AP rankings are great and the coaches rankings are great. You know, we got to try to make sure that we're right with the net ranking and, um, you know, it's it, it's just it's just one loss could be so severe for us. We don't well, sometimes have a chance to make up for it, and I don't know if um, either of those think you got to be you got to be perfect to stay there, and and that you know that's basically impossible. Yeah, it's it, it is. Uh, of course, uh, we are joined by Mark Byington. He's the head uh, men's basketball coach at James Madison, joining us here on the program. Coach Byington, let's talk some personnel. Terrence Edwards. I mean, he's your leading scorer. But, you, you know, you've got some guys that can really, really play. I mean, it's not even to mention a guy like a Michael Green the third who leads you in assists is really your guy that kind of runs your offense. But speak specifically to the play of Terrence Edwards at the moment. Yeah, so Terrence Edwards, he actually goes by fat. Um, it's a nickname he's had since childhood. So he's a guy who I think it just um, – you talk about versatility, and, and that's what he is. Uh, I don't think he does anything at an elite level, but he does everything at a really high level. And I'm talking about shooting, passing, driving, finishing. So he's 6'7", and the ball is in his hands a ton. And we give him, you know, a lot of freedom to make plays, and he does a lot for for us, the initiating offense. 
Um, but you'll watch him a lot of times, and, and there's, there's been half of the games this year where he had four or five assists. And you know, that's your leading score, and he's, he's getting that many assists in the half. And that's when we're good is when he's playmaking. And um, I know the points per game are great, but I kind of consider him more of a playmaker who can score, pass, you know, initiate offense. He's getting every other team's best shot, best defensive guy. I think that's something he's really learned here in the last five, six, seven, eight games that whoever the other team thinks their best defensive guy is going to put them on him. And, and he's done a good job of understanding that, understanding the game plan and being able to still be you know, valuable and impact the game for us. Coach Byington, I know you have uh, App State on Saturday, and I want to talk about you know, your thoughts on App State. But I got, like, I got to take you back to the first game of the season. I mean, that's a huge win on the road at Michigan in overtime. It sort of started what, it, what really has put you on uh, the map to this point. Take us through that win in the atmosphere there at Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it was last year. Um, that's how crazy it is. But uh, uh, how much has happened since then? You know, going to play Michigan State in that environment is one of the best environments I've been in. I mean, you know, they got such great tradition and culture and, and a great coach and winning, and they have everything. And I didn't know much about my team going in there. I mean, you mentioned the new guys. I have Michael Green, who's a new player, and and um, T.J. Bickerstaff and Raekwon Horton and, and, you know, and Bryant Randall. And I have, like, a lot of guys who are new to us that um, – we didn't know what to expect kind of all coming together and for us to be able to handle that environment and and the situation and the team for the first game of the year it was a great accomplishment um you know it, it does seem like it was a, a while ago but there'll be something we'll reminisce about probably get to the summer and look back but but that showed us kind of what we're capable of probably more than anything else um to beat that team in that situation at that point of the year um, you know, we knew it's not the biggest game of the year, the most important game of the year, but I think it showed us what we're capable of in a tough situation. Your thoughts, conference play continues, as you mentioned, very tough in the Sun Belt. Your thoughts on App State and some of the challenges uh, that the Mountaineers present? Oh, they're good. They're 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 really good. Um, they're 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 balanced, and and they return the most players of anybody in our league. And and it's hard to have stability and roster you know, consistency in any league, but especially in a, in a league like ours when, when guys are having success. And um, they've added a new player, Spillers, who's a Juco player, and a lot of people forgot about Juco's, and, and App State didn't. They got a great one there. But they got Gregory. They got a transfer from Butler. Miles Tate, really good player. Um, but they got um, a, a, a really good roster. And, you know, you look at it, I think Auburn – has been kind of proven they're one of the best teams in the country, and, and they knocked Auburn off, um, got them. They've had a bunch of other good wins. Um, we split with them last year, both really, like, high-level, high-intensity games. And, and yeah, I don't expect anything different on, on Saturday. Dustin Kearns does a great job. They, If you haven't seen them play, they're a team that will not beat themselves. Um, they're solid. They're fundamental. They do great on defense, great on offense. And then I think they can have spurts on offense that kind of just that separates the game. Some some transition stuff, some individual player stuff. Um, you know that that's why that's why I'm nervous about the one day prep. It's a lot to get ready for such a good team in one day. 
No doubt about it. Two last thoughts. You're from right here. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not from, but you played ball here in our state at UNC Wilmington. What do you remember about those playing days at UNCW? Yeah, just um, a special time. Um, Yeah, played for Jerry Wainwright. Um, Brad Burnell was actually um, the restricting earnings coach. They don't even have those anymore when I was there um, all four years. And um, just what I learned and what I was taught and the memories. And, you know, I was proud of what our team did there where, you know, UNC Wilmington is a great program now. But when we all kind of signed up for it, you know, they never won 20 games in a year. And, you know, we were able to do that. We won regular season championships. And, um, you know, we lost in a championship game twice. Um, and that, that's tough in the one-bit league when you make it there. But at the same time, I got my best friends from there. Um, I, I got unbelievable just memories of just the times on the court, off the court. Um, you know, the fans were great. And, and seeing that being built up was fun. And then after, you know, I left, they took it to another level. Um, you know, just like they are now with, with, with the Chaos Siddle. Um, guy named Brett Blizzard came in after me and just, you know, put the program on the map to where everybody wanted to go to Wilmington. No doubt. Last thought. I all, Listen, uh, my family, we always come to Massanutten uh, right during Thanksgiving. And, you know, I've always wanted to kind of get over uh, to JMU, it really haven't been able to do it. I've got to, I've got to make the trip. You know, the football team has uh, done so many great things this year, and really, if you look at last year, moving up, you know, to the to the FBS level, and it's just, it just seems to be a really great time uh, at James Madison University. Yeah, it, it's hard keeping up with the other sports around here, and um, you know, our women won the championship last year. Our our, our football team. Had a great year. They were just right outside the top 25. We had college game day here, and college game day said it was the best atmosphere they've ever had. Um, you know, if you look around, um, lacrosse is ranked, um, volleyball is ranked. Like, everybody's ranked at this place. And and, and it's because it's, it's a special university. The academics are great. Fun place to go to school. Great support. Um, you know, as a basketball coach, men's basketball coach, you look around and – and, you know, you're trying to keep up with some of the other programs and their success, but um, you realize why it's special. You know, you get somebody on campus here as a recruit, and they come. I mean, it absolutely blows them away. And if they care about academics and they care about the great, the great college experience, uh, they're going to come here. And we play in one of the best basketball arenas in the country. So next time you're at Massanut and you're 20 minutes away, and um, my son goes snowboard and skiing over at Massanut all the time, I'm too scared. <laughs> I might get hurt if I go, but um, you're not far away if you're there. So we got ski resorts and then you know, ho- hopefully good basketball for you too. No doubt about it. Love Harrisonburg. Again, the Dukes are 15-1 and on the season tomorrow at home, uh, taking on App State in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at James Madison is Mark Byington. Gracious enough to join us on the program. Coach Byington, really appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Dukes. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Go do. You've got it locked to box to row. I'm your host, Donald Ware. Still to come here on the program, North Carolina Central head men's basketball coach Lavelle Moton. Don't move. Lavelle Moton, the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central, still to come here on the program. Look, last week talked extensively about the lack of opportunities for HBCU coaches or coaches that have coached at HBCUs to get opportunities 
at the FBS level. There have been some that have gotten opportunities, but I'm talking about more specific to being head coaches and even coordinators and not just at the FBS level, but even at the Power Five level. So I had a chance, and again, my perspective, and I talked a lot about Willie Simmons, who is now the head football coach, or excuse me, the assistant football coach, the running backs coach specifically uh, at Duke, and the fact that I thought that with his resume, which included uh, some FBS experience, uh, that he should have the opportunity sooner than later to be either a coordinator or an FBS uh, or a head coach at the FBS level, okay? And that that's just where I stand. I still believe that. I gave plenty of examples of, of guys who have made the move, uh, you know, a Scotty Walden, a Bobby Chesney, guys like that. Again, nothing against those guys who are now head coaches who have made the move. And it's, it's, it's various situations. Why they have made the moves from the FCS to now the FBS. I talk with someone who I trust that has been at the HBCU level uh, as an assistant coach, as a head coach, and has been a um, who has been also. I don't want to say too much, and I don't want to give this person away because it's very few and far between. But I'll say this: has been has been at the FBS level. Uh, and then also has been uh, at the FBS level both in terms of G5 and Power 5 and has been a, it's been a player, uh, I'll say that, at the HBCU level and also at the FBS level. So I'll, I'll just say that, had a chance to try to get, because I wanted to get some perspective. Look, these are just, the thoughts I gave you last week are my thoughts. Okay, I hadn't, I, but but in looking at facts, like whenever I try to talk about something and I want to give you my thoughts on something, I try to look at it from a factual standpoint. And the facts of the matter are that, A, in the history of college football, there have only been two HBCU grads that have been head coaches at the FBS level, Willie Jeffries and then Charles Huff, who's currently the head coach at Marshall. Those are facts. There have been very few coaches that have had HBCU experience that are now head coaches at the FBS level. The aforementioned are two. I mean, of course, you you, you know you can't forget. You got Tony Elliott at UVA. You got Billy Napier at Florida. Both were assistant coaches, actually under Buddy Pugh at South Carolina State. And there are others. Okay, there are, there are others that have that experience. Um, also, I mean, Rob Ryan, right? Like Rob Ryan, I mean, and, 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 and there is a difference, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, there's a difference between uh, being a to, being in the National Football League level and being at the FBS level. Obviously, there's a difference. But in terms of how you are uh, hired, there's a huge difference there. Like just because you have been at the NFL level doesn't mean you'll be automatically hired at the FBS level. Right. Rob Ryan, who is 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 in the um, he's in the Raiders. Um, he's he's somewhere he's doing something with the Raiders, but he was in a, you know, as a defensive coordinator for many, many years. 
one of his first stops was at Tennessee State. But again, there's a difference between FBS and the National Football League. As, as a matter of fact, you, you may even get more of an opportunity at the NFL level, okay, having had previous experience at an HBCU than you would at the FBS level. That's, that's sort of how it is. But I talked with this coach, and what he enlightened me on, and, and I'm not saying that what I'm getting ready to tell you is right. I'm just saying it gives me a different perspective. What he said, and I did allude to this last week when I talked about this, was a lot of times it's the circles you're in. It's about relationships. And if your circles are only in the HBCU circle, then it's going to be harder for you to be able to get into those other circles, those FBS circles, is in essence what he said to me. Now, I asked him straight up. I said, well, I mean, in these circles, because remember, I said that last week I said, and I believe this still, although I got a little bit of a, I, 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 I like to get perspective, different perspectives. There's a, there is a stigma against HBCU coaches or coaches that have coached at the HBCU level. And I said, do I asked this person, I said, do you hear that? Have you heard that in these circles? He said he hadn't heard that. And, of course, if you, if you think about it, nobody's going to really come out and say that, although sometimes those type of things happen. Somebody may feel comfortable enough with you that they may say something like that. We see that happen all the time, not just in, 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 in sports. You see that happen all the time. Somebody will say something that's just plain wrong or off the wall or something they shouldn't say because they feel comfortable with you. But he said he hadn't heard that. And at the same time, in terms of this this happening to this person, it didn't, you know, it's hard for that person to speak upon that because it hadn't happened to them. They've been in the various circles or different circles in the in FBS, whether it's been at a G5 or Power 5 program. So I thought that was a bit of a different perspective. It makes you look at it made me think about it a little bit differently in terms of the circles that you're in. What kind of relationships are you building or do you have with FBS coaches. Now, I mean, I can look, let's look at some facts though, okay? And maybe in things, I mean, you can make the argument that things are different now than they were once upon a time. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to look at legendary status of coaches uh, even more recently, I mean, we can talk about, you know, we, we can talk about the, uh, the Eddie Robinsons of the world and all of those great coaches at a time. And then those were during times, okay, where, where forget about it. I mean, let alone H black coaches were not getting opportunities at bigger schools. So you, so forget about it, but let's talk about a little bit more recently, the Joe Taylors of the world, you know, the, 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 uh, the buddy pews of the world, the rod broadways of the world that did phenomenal jobs at various places and never got their opportunities. Look at and, and that's a coach. We didn't talk about look at a rod broadway. At Duke with Spurrier when they won uh, uh, ACC titles. At Florida, okay, where uh, th- they won a national championship. Okay, he was at, you know, UNC, which is his alma mater. And then, you know, he never got that opportunity. That, that, that's sort of, that's someone I didn't talk about from back in the day. 
right, that never got that opportunity, was young enough, had an, enough success. Now, he'd never been a coordinator. And, 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 and so, uh, so he was in those circles. He was in that circle. But he had to go to the HBCU circle to, have, to be a head coach had a lot of success, and then, of course, wasn't going to go back to the FBS. I mean, he, you know, at a point, age kind of catches up with you, right? You know, I talked about a Larry Scott, right? Larry Scott was an interim coach at Miami, who, by the way, when he was interim at Miami, had a 4-1 and record, won a bowl game, okay? Comes to Howard, is doing his thing at Howard. Let's see, he's young enough. Let's see what happens to him, you know, moving forward. We'll see. And, and a lot of times it's about – whether or not you want to do that. Maybe some coaches don't want to do that, and that's okay. you know. But I thought it was an interesting perspective that I got from this person in terms of the circles and the relationships that you have with the, the coaching profession and outside of the HBCU world. And that's not to say that I still don't believe that there's a stigma against HBCU coaches because I do believe that there in fact is. But I will say that it was a different way to kind of look at things and I wanted to get a little bit more perspective. So I went to someone who has had those experiences at the FBS level, HBCU level, and has done their thing at both. Your thoughts, because we're going to get ready to get Lavelle Moten, the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central, uh, to join us here on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row or X, as it were, box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on my personal X account at dware one at dware one Our first guest of 2024 here on box to row has got 256 wins all-time in his Career Got his 252nd career going back about a month ago, which made him and makes him the all-time winningest coach in North Carolina Central history. 15th season as the head men's coach of the Eagles. The Eagles coming off Monday's win over Norfolk State. Got a 12-day break before their next game. Lavelle Moten, no stranger to the program, joins us here on Box to Row. Happy New Year coach, uh, to you, Coach Moten, and welcome back to the program. No doubt about it, man. Happy New Year to you, man. I appreciate you having me back on. Absolutely. It's a couple of things I need to get with, uh, talk to you about. You know how, how we do on the program, and we, we're going to talk equal basketball. But, but let me start here. What did it mean to you to get that 252nd victory and become the all-time winningest coach in NCCU men's history? Um, man, to, to be honest with you, Donald, like I, I was just happy to get it out the way because I just didn't want it to distract from my team, right? You know, it's really – I I cringe when you have to accept individual awards um, in a team sport, right, because – those wins as a coach, all, all it means is that I've had some really good basketball players and some really good coaches by my side that made me look good, right? And and I've been on both sides of it, man, and I, I really don't have any control. So I had some really good basketball players that um, were the catalyst for those victories, man, and I think every player that ever played for me, I think every person that ever worked with me. Yeah, no doubt about it. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm up against the break. Let, let me step aside Take a break. We're going to come back. We're talking with North Carolina Central head men's basketball coach Lavelle Moten. Again, he is the all-time winningest coach 
in NCCU men's basketball history. Don't move. More with Lavelle Moten on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. We're back here on Box Row. We're talking with LaBelle Moten, the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central. And Coach Moten, I know you talked about not liking to have individual um, accolades, especially in a team sport. During the season, you are now the all-time winningest coach uh, in men's basketball history at North Carolina Central. Let me switch gears because something we were talking about on this program, and I want to get your thoughts. I, th- I think what we're seeing more so when you talk about mid-majors and, and more specifically with our Division I schools, HBCUs, is you're seeing more of our schools now playing these so-called money games. In other words, you're bringing kind of you know teams in to – uh, whether you've been on a long break to kind of get back into the, stri- the stride of things and maybe playing less money games. What is, what is your philosophy with that? I think, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm seeing more of a shift, but, but how do you kind of see that? How do you approach that? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all predicated on your team, number one. Um, you know, we had 10 newcomers this year, so um, our scheduling has kind of – kind of follow blueprint and a template and a model that we've had ever since I've been at Central. But, you know, this year with 10 new guys, I, I just wanted to throw them to the wolves right away, right? So we started at Kansas, right? Um, it was a electric atmosphere. It was probably overwhelming for some of our guys, but now I, I got their attention immediately, right? Because a lot of times you think you're able to play the high major division one basketball and you think you're capable, but going out there and, and being thrown into the fire, that's a different thing. Um, as far as non-conference, we just try to – I try to schedule the best teams that I can possibly schedule from other team, uh, other conferences. You know, with the Big South, we knew uh, Longwood would be really good, so we wanted to play them twice. Um, I tried to get UNC Asheville. We couldn't work out the dates, but I got South Carolina Upstate. Um, but then you always got to have games where you're preparing your guys and, and kind of allowing them – to secure a victory and then learn some of the uh, teachings and principles that you're trying to implement at the time. And then, you know, right now we got a break in our schedule. And I think the shift is because the MEAC, we only have eight teams, right? And so 
you know, there was a time we had, I'm sure you remember, we had 13 teams, right? And so, well, 14 or whatever it was. And so it was playing every other weekend, playing some teams twice, and it was always Saturday, Monday. But now when you have only eight teams, which means you got seven opponents, right, you got to find these breaks in there. And so it's tough. Uh, you don't want to be on long breaks and, and layovers or whatever. It's just like flying a, a, a catching a flight from here to Cali. You, you just want to go straight to Cali. You don't want to lay over in Atlanta and then lay over in Chicago for three hours. Like it, it just, yeah. it just, it's frustrating, you know? And so that's pretty much been our philosophy, man. But, you know, once we get into conference, it's, it's nothing that we really can do because everyone else is in conference. So it's difficult to schedule a game during this time to make up for the lost time. For you, I mean, if again, 15th season as the head coach, but you had been there, a couple of years as an assistant coach before that. Of course, you're one of uh, North Carolina Central's all-time great players. Your your jersey is retired there. Have you have you had other opportunities to go other places? And what makes, outside of have you having played there, North Carolina Central so special for you? Um, yeah, well, to, to answer the first question, yeah, I probably had um, – nine, ten opportunities to go other places in my tenure. Um, and that's just with the conversations that I've had with people, right? And so some people, you know, they'll reach out to your agent and you just say, no, nah, I'm not interested, right? And so um, I had to adjust to that really fast because this is a nature, this business is, is predicated on, you know, whoever's winning, everyone is trying to um, get pluck that apple from that tree. And it happens extremely fast. I remember one time we lost in the NCAA tournament. And by the time I got to the bus, my agent had called an AD from another university and the president was going to catch their private plane to my house and beat us back. Literally. And I said, nah, y'all can't do that because our fan base wouldn't understand. They would swear that I've been right. having one foot in and one foot out the entire time. But that's how rapidly this stuff moves. Um, so I turned down you know, several jobs. Um, I turned down, uh, without mentioning the school, I turned down um, a million-dollar job, to be exact. Um, and the reason is, the year before, well, t- a couple of years prior, and I, I'll tell you, the kid, I don't know if you remember Pooby Chapman. Of course. Um, who was my poor guard, right? Yep. His, I, I'd known him all his life, and his mom, Jackie, shout out to Jackie. She sat me, I sat with her on her living room couch, and, you know, Pooby was one of my most difficult recruits, and this kid was from my neighborhood. She said, Vale, it's just your name is always associated with these jobs, and you got to promise me if Poopy come there, then you'll see him through until he graduates. And I said, I promise. And so after his junior year, I got a job offer from a school for a million dollars, and I didn't take that job. And the reason I didn't take that job was because of Poopy. That was the first. I was like, no, nah, I, I gave my vow and I gave my word to these people. Um, I've been offered three NBA jobs as assistant coaches. Um, but, you know, it's something special about North Carolina Central. It's home. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I have so much other things that's going on here. You know, I have my foundation. I have my philanthropy. I have my real estate uh, company, my real estate development company. I have a couple of TV shows within the school system. So it's a special place, right? It's a special place. And, um you know, it's been a great partnership. No doubt about it. Lavelle Moten is the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central. He joins us here on the program. One last thought before we talk about this year's team, some personnel, and how much success you've had this season. When you think your first season, 2009, 2010, and I remember the first year when 
the with when uh, NCCU made the transition from CIAA D two to Division one. What what do you ever off? Do you ever think back to that two thousand nine two thousand ten season, which which was your first? All the time, because I coach with that same passion. I I coach with that same um, intensity. I coach with that same pride and commitment into building a program. And I, I'm I'm fighting for that still, right? So either you're fighting to maintain your culture or you're fighting to build it. But every day you get, best believe you got to fight. And when I got hired, we were the worst team in Division One basketball. We was actually independent, right? We went from D2 to being independent. And the um, I remember asking Kyle Serba, our sports information director at the time, what was the margin of defeat that we were suffering? And Donna, like, the margin of defeat that we were losing basketball games was 39.8. We were getting beat by 39 points a night, right? So you're not even a coach. You're a, you're a guidance counselor. You're a therapist, right? <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do, this ain't got to do, to do with man's own press. And like, nah, this, you, you, you're a therapist. And I had to really evaluate where I wanted to take this program because, again, it may seem like a popular choice now and a romantic choice, but there was a lot of people. I had a short resume. I didn't have any Division One experience. All I had did, I, all I've done was coach um, AAU. I coached uh, middle school, and I was a high school coach, and that was it. So people thought, you know, North Carolina Central should have given the job to someone with a long resume, and, you know, when the ball stopped bouncing, we are sending these young men out in this world as productive citizens, right? And so they can utilize, you know, the life lessons that they learned in our program to be better husbands, better men, um, better leaders of their community, and better pillars in their community. And that's pretty much what it was. And so I ran my program the way my grandmother and my mother ran their homes. And it, it was really that simple. And the victories and the wins and all of those things took care of themselves in the meantime. No doubt about it. I remember that, especially that that next year, 2010, 2011. That was a really good season. You had some really good players on that team as an independent right before moving to the MEAC. Lavelle Moten, again, in his 15th season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central, joins us here on the program. Big win. You got a couple of you got a, you got a win against Howard, the defending tournament champs. Norfolk State, who has had some success uh, more recently here uh, in years. Your thoughts, particularly on the win against Norfolk State in the way that Fred Cleveland Jr. is playing, who ironically was a former North Carolina A&T player. Like, how did he? How did you get him? How did he end up there at, 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 in NCCU land also? Hey, man, it's the, it's the nature of the business now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the nature of the business with this transfer portal. You never know who's going to end up in your program. So you got to keep our relationships open. So, um, you know, we, we've had – we started off uh, our conference play with uh, Howard. Um, as you mentioned, the defending tournament champions. I got a tremendous respect for Kenny and what he's done with that program. And, you know, I, I tell our guys, Donald, like, it's – it's so difficult to watch tape on other teams because the tape that you're watching on them, that's not the effort that you're going to get from them. So when you watch Howard against Yale or Howard against, you know, Mount St. Mary's or whoever, like you're just looking for personnel because the effort is going to multiply when they play you. Right. Um, And the same thing with Norfolk State and same thing with anybody in our conference. I use the analogy as eight dogs chasing one bone. Right, and I don't know if you ever seen eight dogs trying to get one bone, but that's the grind. That's the mental toughness and physical toughness that's going to be required 
to come up with the bone at the end. And it's no difference, right? We we know we're unlike the ACC. We're unlike these Power Five schools who can have a decent non-conference and, you know, uh, a committee is going to judge their body of work and say, yeah, they can go in. You know, with us, it doesn't matter what you do in non-conference. You can go undefeated, right? But if you're losing that tournament in those three days in March, you're going home. Right. And so we certainly understand that, man. And everyone else understands that. So every every conference game is going to seem to be a fight. Um, and it was that way against uh, Howard. Um, the score really wasn't indicative of how the game was. I think it was tied up with 12 minutes. They took the lead and then we, we came back and uh, we took the lead. But, you know, I was proud of our guys, in particular um, Fred Cleveland uh, for exemplifying the leadership. He's a smaller guy in stature, but you know, you can't measure the size of a man's heart, man. And so he showed that he has some winning components about him. And I tell our team, it, it ain't what you're capable of. It's what you're willing to do. I know people that's capable that's not willing. I know people that's willing that's incapable. And against Norfolk, we couldn't make a shot. Like, I thought we got some clean looks, some wide-open looks. We was missing layups, and it was just one of those games. But we were willing to do all the de- dirty work. We were willing to you know, put our mouthpiece in and pull up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do the ugly things that's required to win basketball games. So with that said, I was extremely proud of our guys. No doubt about it. North Carolina Central 10-7 and on the season, 2-0 and in MEAC plays. Got a little bit of a break. Next game's going to be at South Carolina State on next Saturday. Lavelle Moten, 256 wins in his 15th season as the head men's basketball coach of the Eagles joins us here on the program. Coach Moten, it's always great to catch up with you. Continued success to you and the Eagles. Nothing but love and respect for you, my man. Thank you for all that you do for, you know, the the college athletics world and HBCU basketball. Appreciate it, Coach Moten. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Again, thank you to Lavelle Moten for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support your box to row is produced by DW Communications.